save her family and prevent disaster. Mom, we're going to be late for school. I don't think so. Whoa. Experience the phenomenon that critics are calling inspiring. Mom, I can't find number 17. Come on, Billy. Dig deep. A lot of fun. Mom, where's my phone? Table. Keys. Mudroom. Dragon Man. Under the couch between the monkey and the flip-flop. How does she do that? Created by God to demonstrate his love with grace, elegance, and poise. Butane torch? All right, so I want a quick question. How many of you moms have felt like that mom in, in the video? You kind of feel like a superhero at times? Well, well you probably have because you are, and we want to just celebrate you today. And again, I wish you a happy Mother's Day. Uh, for those of you who may not know, my name is uh, uh, Derek, and I'm the associate pastor of Pastor Family and Discipleship here at Fellowship of Grace. And we're just excited to have all of you here today. I know we have several guests uh, here, family members of the uh, child dedication, for the child dedication and the baptisms, and I'd like to extend a special welcome to you as well. And um, today what we're going to do is we're, we're going to um, talk a little bit about the gospel-centered woman. And, and I know with sermons like this, uh, there's a couple of challenges that are kind of innate with, with a topic like this. For one, I'm not a woman, and so I, I kind of am speaking from the outside a little bit. I'm going to try to really just show you what the Bible says, and I don't have any opinions really of, of note or of any worth. Uh, what the Bible says is most important. And then there's also just a lot of different audiences, a lot of people in a lot of different places here. Uh, some of you, uh, there's obviously a, a lot of you are men, and so you may have already, in a few seconds in now, are like, oh, I don't need to pay attention. It's about the woman, uh, you know, and I'll stay awake to nudge my wife to pay attention and that sort of thing. But I would encourage you as a man to, to really pay attention for these next few minutes because I think there's a lot that, that we as men can, can learn as we encourage uh, the women in our life, whether it's our wife or our friends or anything like that, to really live up to their, the, the dream that God has for their life. And there's also a, a lot of uh, you ladies that have, um, just a lot of different experiences, a lot of different um, backgrounds and different stages of life. Many of you uh, maybe have experienced uh, some extreme challenges and really painful circumstances, uh, maybe related to, to motherhood or to marriage. And, and this Mother's Day kind of conjures up a lot of those emotions. And it's really, you know, while it's a great celebration for the moms, for you it's really more of a time of anxiousness and worry and just it brings back all those hurts. And I, I want to, to those of you in that place, I want to really encourage you today and, and we're not going to dwell on that. I want to bring that all, you know, we're not going to spend all our time on that, but I, what I want to do is acknowledge it and, and, and just um, say so we are praying for you and, and that if there's anything we can do as a church, as a church family, uh, you don't have to suffer through those things alone and reach out to um, us as a church or, or to, to friends and another other godly women and, and things here at the church that would love to pray and support you uh, through those difficult times. And, you know, it's, it, it is 
a time where the definition of, of what a woman is is kind of, in, in some ways, on trial. Really, you know, when you think of the topic of gender in our culture today, it's, it's a hot-button topic, right? It, you know, what is a man? What is a woman? How, how does that, what does that look like? Are they the same thing? Does it even matter? Do they have differences? Can they use the same restroom? All these kinds of things that, you know, are, are on the news today. and all, It's just kind of a mess. It's very confusing. And when you look at how the culture defines what a woman is, when you look at, you know, the Forbes 100 most influential women, most successful women, things like their, their outward appearance, how successful they are in business, how, how um, assertive and strong and courageous they are as women, those things are all really valued highly. And those things aren't bad in and of themselves, but, but really there's hardly ever any mention of, of her character, uh, of a woman's character and what makes her... Uh, successful or influential, or, or her role as a, as a wife or a mother. Those types of things that really the Bible talks most about are never really seen in, in the society today when, when we talk about women. So we're going to look at Scripture today. We're really going to hone in and see what the Bible says, because I believe that's the most important thing, the most important source that we can go to to find out our answers. And, you know, the Bible says that we need to be continually transformed by the renewing of our minds. But so as we look at Scripture and, and think thoughts that are, that are right, that are pure, that help us understand truth, those things can transform us as we, as we think and renew our minds that way. So that's what we're going to just spend a few minutes this morning doing. And, and you know, as I, as I begin to prepare the sermon, I, I started out with a little bit of trepidation, you know, like this is a, a little topic. I don't want to step on anybody's toes. I don't want to offend anybody or anything like that. But, but I've kind of, tr- kind of gotten to the place where I'm, a little, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here because I, I think, well, I don't, I don't have any good words to say to women, about women, any of that, but, but God does. And I think God, the way he, he has created female and, and male and the distinctions between them are, are, are great and beautiful things. And I think God wants to do great things through the, through the women here at Fog, the, the things that we can't even imagine as far as the influence and kingdom impact. So I hope that you're excited as well as we dive into this. And, um, you know, as we talk about gospel-centered, the title of the sermon is The Gospel-Centered Woman. So what does it mean to be gospel-centered? What does, that, what does it really mean? Well, I think it helps us to define gospel-centered first looking at what self-centered means, because that's something we often talk about. Um, self-centered. If somebody is self-centered, it doesn't necessarily mean that they think only about themselves directly. They still have to think about, you know, things in life, where to go, what to do, where to go to school, that sort of stuff. A lot of things um, that involve themselves, but not about themselves directly. But everything they do is passed through the filter or the lens of self. Basically, their self informs all of their decisions about life. Everything passes through that lens. So when we think of gospel-centered, it doesn't necessarily mean that everything besides the gospel is irrelevant. You know, we do have to live life and do things. We, we don't just go around, you know, the only words just repeating the Romans road or, you know, and beating people over the heads with the Bible or anything like that all the time. But it does mean that, that everything we do is, is filtered through this lens or in light of the gospel. And it basically informs all of our decisions about life if we are gospel-centered. And when we talk about the gospel, I know that's a church word, that we say a lot, and it's obviously a very important word, but when I say gospel, I mean really most simply the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ, basically his, his life, his perfect life, his substitutionary, or his basically replacement death for us, that should have been us on the cross, but he died on the cross for us, and then he rose again 
from the grave, victorious. And now we get to share in that victory over death. And all that that means for us, all that those things mean for us, that's really the gospel and in a nutshell. And it affects everything in life. It affects everything in life. So, so what does it mean, at least in the context of today, what does it mean to be a gospel-centered woman? And, and we are going to look at kind of the, the gospel-centered man on Father's Day, all right? So, so man, we'll, we'll get a chance here in a few weeks to take a look at this. But today, what does it mean to be a gospel-centered woman. The first thing I, I want to draw out is really foundational. It's that she's created in the image of God, created in God's image. We look at Genesis 1, 26 and 27. We see this uh, very plainly. It says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So when the term man is used in those verses, it's really talking about all humanity. That's in the, in the original context. So and we see there at the very end of verse 27 that male and female were both created in the image of God. So why is, why is that important? Well, first, I think it's important because it reminds us that we were created by God, all right? So God is our creator. He's our designer, both male and female. So we should look to him to, to figure out why we're here. Well, what's our purpose? I mean, he's the one who designed us, created us. So that, that seems like a pretty important thing. And, and when we look at why, his image, why were we created in his image, this means that, that we were created like God in some ways, uh, we were created to represent. It was kind of like um, looking in a mirror. You, you see your reflection, um, and it, it's not you in the mirror, but it's your reflection in the mirror. So we were created to resemble God in, in his likeness, created with an eternal soul, very special and unique, different than other uh, things in, that he created, different than animals, different than plants and trees and those kinds of things. Humanity was very different, and, and God made females uh, in his image. So with those two things as kind of a, a foundation, I, I think we really kind of, it points us to, to what, what is the purpose. What is our purpose? So as a gospel-centered woman, what is your purpose? Because you were designed for a specific purpose. Designed for a specific purpose. Ultimately, that purpose is to bring glory to God. To bring glory to God. That's why we all were created. Um, so what does that look like? for a woman, for a woman who wants to be centered on the, on the gospel. Well, Genesis 2.18 says this, and we'll start at the, this is the very beginning of history. It says this, not too fast there. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. All right, so we see that, that God had something very specific in mind when he created uh, females, all right? He, what does it say there? He created, make him a helper fit for him. Now, when we hear the term helper, it's hard for us not to go to just our default thinking of helper is kind of secondary, not as important. The, the leader is the most important, but the helper's not. And that's not at all what this term means. When God uses this term helper, in, in the original language, it's a very strong word, a Hebrew word, ezer, which is basically, it's later used to describe God. God uses this term to describe himself in, in, in Psalms and in other parts of the Old Testament. It's someone who, who comes alongside. It's not at all a position of inferiority or weakness. 
And, and so I, I want us to, to really capture what this idea of helper really means. You know, what, and while Eve was called a suitable helper, a helper fit for him in this verse, um, meaning she was uniquely gifted to meet his needs, it, it, you know, it's all women are uniquely gifted as a necessary component of imaging God to a watching world through supporting, helping, and serving others around him. So, so if, you, if you come here and you, you aren't married and, and you say, okay, well, I can't be a helper for anybody. No, the, the God wired females to, to be helpers in, in all that they do. And, and in this context, obviously it was for Adam, but, but really it, it can apply in all situations. Helper to fulfill the mission, f- to fulfill the Great Commission. And we'll talk about that a little, in a little bit. Um, but you know, the, the role that he gave, that God gave humanity to subdue the earth, to, to have dominion over it, to rule over the earth, um, that this is what, what the woman is charged with helping with and, and to be fruitful and multiply. She, she helps with that. So the man can't do that by himself. And, and, and to help bring glory to God in, in a lot of different ways. So, so this uh, purpose of being a helper is very, very important. Very, very important, and it applies in a lot of different ways. Another purpose or kind of part of this purpose of bringing glory to God is to display the gospel. Uh, a gospel-centered woman it really should display the gospel. This is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 through 33. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So there's a lot in those verses and in that chapter that we won't have time to, to look at all today. But as we see in the, the context of this passage, a, a gospel-centered woman that, that who is married, she represents, displays the gospel by, by representing the church as the bride of Christ. In the same way that, that the church uh, loves and lovingly submits and respects Christ, the wife plays that same role in, in her marriage towards her husband. And so we see that very, very plainly there. But what does this mean well, so for those of you who, who aren't married, who are single, um, does this mean that you just kind of get off the hook for, for this, you don't have to display the gospel? Well, I don't think so. And really, um, you know, I, I think as we think about our ultimate goal as male and female here on this earth, it, it's not marriage, all right? So sometimes we, especially, you know, in the church, we, we, we want to have a high view of family and all those things that are great gifts of God. God has deemed them good and called them good. But that's not the ultimate goal of being a male and a female. The ultimate goal is, is not marriage, but relationship. Ultimately, relationship with God, first and foremost. But also then relationship with others. Sometimes that, that looks like marriage. Sometimes it doesn't. And, and you know, if, so if, I remember going to a workshop just last week and, and the conference that Michael and I were able to go to. And the, the speaker of the workshop basically started out by asking everybody to raise their hand if they were married. And so we all were like, oh, yeah, I'm married, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, all right, if you raise your hand, you will not reach your full potential. So we're like, oh, awesome, thanks. I'll put my hand back down, and that, that's really a, a, a happy thought to think about. Thanks for the encouragement. Um, but what he was getting at, and he wasn't trying to demean marriage or anything like that, but what he was saying is that, you know, often what, it was what the Apostle Paul talked about. When you are married, you have some earthly responsibilities here that, that can keep you from fulfilling, you know, if, if, my, if God calls me to be a missionary across the world tomorrow, if he doesn't call my wife, I, I'm not going to go. 
all right? So my attention's divided. I have responsibilities on earth. It is good and, and God-given and all those things. But in some ways, in, in some ways, we're, I'm not going to be able to reach my full potential. And those of you who are single can have some more kingdom impact, obviously more just flexibility and things like that uh, than married people. And so singleness really isn't something that I think should be frowned upon or you're just a, you know, waiting to get married or anything like that. It's a special time of life that, that God can use in great ways. But I, I think there is a struggle sometimes because when you look at Scripture, most of the instruction, most of the teaching things towards women are all, always given, almost, almost always, in the context of, of marriage or family. Marriage or family. So when you see that, if you're a single woman, it's, it's hard to know how to apply it. How do I apply this to my life if, if I'm single? But uh, thankfully, we, we also have stories in Scripture, stories that, that are very important and that give us a picture of really a broad sampling of women that God uses from all different walks of life. The story of Esther, who, who was a young single virgin who goes on to save her nation. Uh, Ruth, the barren widow who cares for her mother-in-law. Her mother-in-law, Naomi, who has lost both her husband and children, and God uses them in circumstances and ways, in great ways, and they fulfill their God-given uh, purpose um, apart from, from marriage. Uh, we see Mary and Martha, who are both single sisters of, of Lazarus, helping Jesus in ministry, supporting him. Phoebe in the New Testament was a helper of Paul in his ministry, and there's no mention of, of any, any uh, husband or family. Uh, Lois and Eunice raised their grandson, son Timothy, uh, and there's no mention of any men to, to help them with that as they do that. So basically, I'm just kind of showing you a few examples of some, some women in the, in the Bible that God really used in, in great ways. There's many more. Um, but, you know, you may be saying, okay, thanks, Derek. That's, that's nice and encouraging that God has used all different types of, types of women from all different backgrounds and different stages of life, married, not married, whatever. But I'm still single and not happy about it. You may, you may be kind of at that point, And, I, you know, I, I understand that. I think that's a, a valid place to be because, you know, what, what do you do when, when you long for something that God has said is good it, it seems to be, you know, you're longing for a relationship. The Bible says marriage is a good thing. It, it, God also seems to have put, kind of instilled a desire within you to long for that thing. And, and yet it seems, he seems to be withholding it at the same time. And I, I think that's a, 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 just a tension that, that is good for you to feel. Good for you to feel. And it's okay for you to feel during those, that, that, that time in your life. And if you're there now or if you've been there or or will be there. And I think in that tension, it's very important to realize that the, the, uh, whether it's a husband, whether it's children, that they are not going to complete you. You are not incomplete until you get a husband or a child. You are already complete in Christ. You are, you are already complete in Christ. That, that's very, very important for you uh, to understand. And with that said, I think there is, you know, during those times of, of waiting, and, and it can be really applied to a lot of different scenarios, but really you are, the Bible calls us to wait, to wait on the Lord. That's, that's one thing that, that you can do during those times. It's often during those times of waiting that, that our relationship with God really grows, um, that our strength is renewed, uh, as it says in Isaiah. And then the second thing is to really just endure. You know, those times are difficult. They can be difficult when, when you, feel, you want something, but, but God just isn't providing it. Um, but those are times that are, are just so important for you to remind yourself of the truth of the gospel, for, to, to live with that eternal perspective, 
to keep things uh, in, in priority during those times. So, you know, as if you are single here and you're asking to yourself, how, how do I display the gospel even during this, this time, whether you're content or whether you're not, it, you know, I think through various circumstances, you have opportunities that the many married people can't do, whether it's through your, your job or whether through your friendships, you can display the love of Christ in, in very special and unique ways. So be sure to take advantage of that. Be looking for opportunities. Um, the third thing there in, in your notes is the gospel-centered woman is identified with Christ. She's identified with Christ. And this really, again, applies to, to all of us, but, you know, the gospel-centered woman, it is, her identity is in Christ. We see this in Ephesians 1.13. Says this in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of promised Holy Spirit. So we kind of take out the middle part just to, for ease of reading. In him, you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So we were sealed in Christ, and our core identity is now in Christ. Your core identity as a woman is now in Christ, not in anything else. And this identity is kind of, it's our sense of self. It's really what um, influences, what, what gives us consistency and, and the way we interact with others, no matter the circumstances. You act kind of out of your identity. Who you think you are it affects everything that you do. So when you see yourself as something other than God sees you, when he sees you in Christ, Christ the righteousness of Christ applied to you, um, uh, you're, you're his daughter, and you're his child, when you begin to look at some of the roles that you may play in life, maybe you're a wife, maybe you're um, a businesswoman, you're a mother, uh, or just a good friend, all these things that you play, when you begin to look to, at those things for your, your identity, you find your identity in, in being a good, good mom or a good wife, good, a good worker, those things will always leave you empty when you search for your ultimate satisfaction in them. They will, just come, they will leave you empty. So we should view those roles, not, not, as, not as identities to bring fulfillment, but really stewardship opportunities. And I think it was a great example, as Pastor Michael shared during the child dedication, the children, are, they're, they're not, we, we don't get our identity, we don't live vicariously through them, and, and you know, our, my role as a, as a dad to my kids is not, not who I am, ultimately. It is one of the roles I play, but it really is, is a stewardship opportunity they're not mine, they're God's, and I need to view that. And as a woman, if God has granted you children, you need to view them that way, as stewardship opportunities to care for them and to ultimately give them back to God. And when we talk about identity, I think it's sometimes hard to understand, like, you know, you may be sitting there thinking, okay, I think, my, I think I'm living like my identity is in Christ, not in my job or somewhere else, um, but I don't, I don't know. Um, one way I think you can tell is to look at how you handle difficult circumstances. So, so if you lose your job, is the whole world turned upside down and you're on a roller coaster for months? It, when you go through a relationship crisis, is, is the world just, the sky's falling and everything is horrible? Or your kids, you're dealing with a rebellious child. And in that situation, does that really determine the whole way you live your life? I think that is a good test to see where you're finding your identity in. Now, granted, those things, when difficult things happen, it's going gonna, 
It may mess you up a little bit, but ultimately, it's not going to shake you to the core. It's not going to shake your foundation because your foundation should be in Christ. Lastly, we see that the gospel-centered woman is marked by special characteristics. Uh, We'll take just a moment to talk about Proverbs 31, which is a chapter in the Bible that uh, is written about uh, the godly wife, really specifically to to wives, not to women in general. Uh, We see here that wives uh, are uh, a lot of characteristics. We don't have time to read through the whole chapter, but a couple of verses in here I just want to draw out for you. Proverbs 31, 11 through 12 says this, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. And then Proverbs 31, 27 through 28 says this, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. So we see a couple things in there about um, her love for her, her husband. That, that is a characteristic for married women that, that really can put the gospel on display. And then these last verses that we'll read are, are Titus 2, verses 3 through 5, and you should have the references there in your notes. But it, these, it says this, Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. So there's a lot in there. We don't have time to unpack it all. We'll talk about a couple of those things. But as I mentioned a second ago, I think love is really the first characteristic. And it plays out as a wife with a love for your husband. A love for your husband. And as you look back at that verse in Proverbs 31, the very beginning, it says, the heart of her husband trust in her. So if you are married, I think it's a good, a good thing to ask yourself, can, can the heart of my husband really trust in me? Am I living in a way that allows my husband's heart to really trust in me? And I mean, that, you spend a, a, lot, a lot of time talking about that, and um, maybe, maybe this is a good question to ask your husband. Um, can your heart trust in me? He, he may look at you kind of like, I don't even know what that means, but you know, you, you just give us some time. The guys will come around um, and try to, to think deep thoughts, even in our simple minds. Um, so, so I, I want to give also a, just a, a basic piece of advice, I think, as a husband for, for you wives. Uh, one way that you can love your husbands better, and this may sound kind of strange, but don't expect too much from him. Don't, don't, and this isn't a way to, to let the husbands off the hook at all. I want to read a quote that kind of explains this, but don't, don't expect too much from your husband. So let me explain that. It says, this quote says, marriages often collapse not because husband and wife put too little stock in their marriage, but because they put too much stock in marriage. That is, they put Jesus beneath marriage in the hierarchy of their loves. But when we depend on marriage more than we depend on Jesus, irritation turns into hurt. Then hurt turns into anger. Anger turns into a grudge, and a grudge turns into contempt. Contempt then turns into refusal to forgive. Then someone moves to the guest bedroom or hires a lawyer, and nobody wins. Now, that, that is kind of a, a sobering thought and a statement because we probably can all think of situations, our friends, family, where this has played out, where this has played out way too often in our society. So while, while your husband, wives, while your husband is called to lovingly lead your family, if you put your ultimate, um, you know, basically you want him to satisfy your deepest needs, your deepest cravings, he's going to fail you. He will fail you. 
And that's what I mean by don't expect too much from him. Uh, you, he definitely needs to be held accountable to things, but essentially, you should be loving Jesus more than you love your husband. And, and you know, Proverbs 31 ends, the, one of the last verses in that chapter, it talks about what it, what it looks like to be a godly wife. It says, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. A woman who fears the Lord to be, is to be praised. And I, I think that's a goal for, for all women uh, to reach it for. It's to fear the Lord above, above everything else. And we also see in these verses that I read in Proverbs and in Titus, a, a, really a, a woman who's dedicated to her family. A, a, a woman who's dedicated to her family. We see it in verse 27 here. She looks well to the ways of her household, does not eat the bread of, of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. And then in Titus, we see where it talks about uh, to be self-controlled, pure working at home. And so what does that mean? Does that mean that a a woman who works outside of the home and has a job, a career, is not being a good Christian, gospel-centered woman? Well, no, it does not mean that. Really, what what we see in scriptures are these principles of the fact that the day-to-day responsibilities of, of caring for your family and for your children whatever God has blessed you with, that, that is the wife's role in, in the family. The woman's role in the family as far as uh, creating that environment, fostering that environment uh, of family uh, of, uh, that really provides stability in your home, that provides that stability as much as you, you can do that, that allows husbands or, or children to flourish and fulfill all that God has for them. So we see that, and that can look very different for different families. And I, that's a journey I think that every family uh, kind of goes, should, should really pray through and seek God's wisdom and counsel. I know in my life, you know, my wife and I have been married 10 years, and we have three kids, and it's, it's looked very different. My wife has worked full-time, she's worked part-time, she's worked full-time at the house, and, and I've worked full-time outside and part-time outside. And, and so it, it's just kind of, we've had to see, almost like on an annual basis kind of see, see where God has us, what, what we think we can do. But through all those changes, we've tried to keep that role of her really fostering that environment of family, of, of homeliness in a sense, that the stability for our children to raise up in. She, she carries that responsibility. Now, I certainly help her with aspects of that, and support her, and those sorts of things, and it's a, definitely a team effort and, and this context. But I, I think the, the main point is, whatever you are, whether you're married, whether you're a single mom, and have to carry many more of those burdens, uh, I, I, want, I think you should really think about what, what, what am I willing to sacrifice to, to keep this a priority, to keep my home a priority. Maybe, maybe it's a, a standard of living that you have to sacrifice I think you need to be willing to do that. I think God honors that. And maybe, maybe the sacrifice is, is you working full-time outside the home and still keeping that, that a priority somehow. That, that, that certainly can work. And I, I, just, I, I think that sometimes in our culture, we, we don't often think that. We just kind of assume that, that you know, oh, both, both parents should work full-time no matter what. And maybe both should. But the Bible really shows us that the wife the mom, the, mom the, the woman in the house, her responsibility is to really uh, take that on. And whether she delegates some of that at different seasons of life and, and as circumstances come up, I think it can really depend on the situation. The last thing as we close today, characteristic is really just intentionality in disciple making. All right, let's look in this Titus passage where it talks about older women, basically a picture of discipleship. They are to teach what is good, train the young women. So we see this picture. Paul is telling Titus, as he's dealing with the church, 
And to, be, to live a good Christian life, you want, you want people investing in other people. You want, you want older women investing in younger women. And I'll let you make the classification if you're an older woman or a younger woman. I'm not going to do that. Uh, that will um, get me in trouble. But I would say if you are, if you would classify yourself in that kind of more mature, older Christian woman, are you intentionally teaching, training the younger women in what it means not only to be a Christian, but also, also a woman, a, a wife? or a mom, or whatever context they may find themselves in. And I think some of the responsibility falls on, on the younger women, too. Are you intentionally seeking out teaching and training from, from older women, from a more mature Christian woman that's maybe a little further down the road than you? You see her life, and you say, wow, I, I see how her family's going, and I, I really, she's somebody I look up to. I'm going to go ask her and see if she'll have coffee with me once a month or twice a month or whatever, and just kind of learn from her. Are you seeking out those opportunities? Um, I think that's important because the gospel-centered woman doesn't, doesn't just understand, okay, I'm supposed to make disciples. The Great Commission applies to men, women, child, but, but she does something about it. She understands that with the gospel kind of really permeating her whole entire life, everything that she sees through that, she understands, I'm not just going to agree to the principle of discipleship and the principle of making disciples, but I'm going to do something about it, some intentionality. So I would encourage you, um, women, to, to do that and, and seek out others. If, you, if God has allowed certain things in your life, I know many of you are doing this. We, we have core groups, uh, kind of the, the path in our church that kind of allows you to do that if, if you're interested in doing that and say, you know, I, I, I love to disciple some women. I just, I don't know a lot of people or, or who I should talk to or whatever. Um, you can write that on the back of your connection card. Just write core groups and there's just smaller discipleship groups where you can live life and, and teach and train others. Um, and, and as we close today, I do want to, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this, but, you know, for those of you here, if, was we all this talk about gospel and the Bible, if you are here and you don't, you don't have a relationship with Christ, if you don't know or understand the gospel and haven't received that in your life, I would encourage you to, to really seek that out. It's the, it's the most important decision you, you would ever make. Um, you can uh, check that box in the back of your connection card, turn that in on your way out today. We'd love to be able to talk with you and just have a conversation, uh, be able to answer any questions that you may have. And um, I, I hope today has been an encouragement to you, uh, if, whether you're a man, woman, um, and, and that really we can really strive to, to be all that God has designed for us, even if we're married and we won't reach our full potential, in a sense. We, we, we still have a lot of things that God has for us, and um, let, let's, let's close in prayer. Father God, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for Mother's Day and the chance we, we get to, to celebrate moms, and God, I pray for just each and every person here, and whatever situation they are in, they find themselves, they may be here in a good place, or they may be here this morning and, and just in a, in a very painful situation. God, this life does uh, hurt sometimes. God, there are challenges that we face, and God, I pray that you will just uh, be with them, encourage them. God, I pray that you will surround them with other people to, to help them through these times. God, we, we thank you for uh, just the privilege it is to worship you on this day. And God, we ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.